This is the Quick Slants Podcast. What is up, Packers fans? Welcome back to the Quick Slants Podcast at Game on Wisconsin. I'm your host, Jason Perrone. Follow me on Twitter at Jason Perrone. Follow Game on Wisconsin at Game on WI. Lot to get to for this show. Happy Monday, everybody. A lot of stuff to, to talk about. This will be a little bit of a longer one because of so much stuff that happened over the weekend. Starting with, on Saturday, former Packers safety Leroy Butler. Now Pro Football Hall of Famer, former safety Packers safety Leroy Butler, inducted into the Hall of Fame this weekend, presented by his wife, and he and his mom co-wrote his acceptance speech, started writing it way back before this weekend. It was a very short and sweet uh, words that he had to say, if you listen to him on the radio, on the, the Wendy's Big Show during the week, he is fantastic. His insights are great, and he's very well-spoken. Obviously, he's got a lot of practice, as he does this a lot uh, as a former Packers Hall of Famer. Such a big part of the Packers community, has be- stayed a big part of it since his playing days ended over 20 years ago. Finally gets into the Hall of Fame. He said that, When you play for the Green Bay Packers, many doors open. When you win a Super Bowl, all doors open. And when you make the Hall of Fame, football heaven opens up. And so football heaven is now opened up for Leroy Butler. And I'm very, very happy for him. Congratulations to him. Leap, he was there during the transitional period from crappy every year Packers teams to the new era. And a Super Bowl champion again in 1996. He was a huge part of my experience as a fan growing up. I was in high schools, uh, college during these times. I played safety myself because of Butler. He was one of my favorites on those late 90s teams. I always emulated him. If I was into getting jerseys back then, I definitely would have had a Butler jersey. That would have been mine. You know, he did the first. He invented the Lambo Leap. They say he redefined the safety position in the NFL. It was long overdue. He has great numbers. Everyone knows his, his numbers, the sacks and the all the interceptions that he has. His sack of Drew Bledsoe with one hand in Super Bowl 31 was a big highlight. Very happy for Butler. And if you're a younger fan and you didn't get a chance to watch him play, go watch his highlights. He was aggressive, confident. He had swagger. He had all the things you want your team to have now. And that culture change in Green Bay really started with Butler and players like him. He, he, like I said, he transitioned them into a new era of confidence and winning when Ron Wolf and Mike Holmgren and Brett Favre came in, Reggie White, and the last two Packers teams that won championships have had, had multiple Hall of Famers on them, right? So, I mean, he was a big part and big reason why the Packers are successful and why the Super Bowl teams won championships is because they had players like Butler on them. So the question now is, is does this Packers team outside of Aaron Rodgers have any other Hall of Famers? Well, they have so many young players that there's a lot to be done and said before any of them actually make the Hall of Fame. So more to be be done there, and, and we'll see if they become Hall of Famers. I certainly think they can get to and win a championship. We just thought that was noteworthy there. So congratulations again, Laurie Butler, forever enshrined in football lore. And now the question is, is will the Packers add his name to the Ring of Honor at Lambeau Field, and will there be a retirement of his number? Since Butler... Nick Collins has worn number 36, and he was a very good safety. May have been a Hall of Famer of his own had his career not been cut short by injury. And that number still is worn today, so we'll see. But for now, we think of number 36 as Leroy Butler, and we're very happy that he is the latest Packer 
to enter the Hall of Fame. So moving to today's Packers teams, this past week, tight end Robert Tunyon did an interview with Barstool that many of you have probably seen already, seen part of it. And he, he talks about the last three years and those Packers teams not getting over the hump of the NFC Championship game or the playoffs, I should say. They didn't get to the NFC Championship game last year. And it was, it was interesting thoughts here because we look at the plays. We look at the things they didn't do on the field, the special teams, the, the getting run all over in 2019. In 2020, you had the, the Scotty Miller touchdown, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. So um, it turns out it's a bigger project than that in, in getting a team to a championship. The grind that you hear players talk about of a full NFL season is real. For 18 weeks, your life is programmed. You don't see your friends. You don't see your family regularly. You don't spend as much time with them. You're dealing with pressure from yourself, the team, the media, the fans. Some guys have contract issues. And it for Tunyon, he basically said that after his surgery he gained a new perspective as, as someone who was on the outside looking in. He wasn't preparing for football games every week. He wasn't in there practicing and, and being ready to play. He said that the season started out hot. They had great chemistry, but that they wore themselves down. And by the end of the season, they weren't as confident. They questioned themselves. Right? They, they kind of, that grind that I talked about got to them. And I just found it very eye-opening. Because it's not just a handful of plays. That's what a football game comes down to. But are you prepared to play in a game like that? It sounds like the Packers' heads weren't in the right places coming out of the tunnel in those games. As crazy as it sounds, as good as they were, as confident as you would have expected them to be, they questioned themselves. They didn't know if they, if they could do it. He's, I think he said they were kind of like, F it. Which is really shocking. To get that far and be that good to win 13 games in a 16-game season or 17-game season, have number one seeds, have home field, have everything at your disposal, and still question whether or not you belong there, and if you can perform and win. It's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I get by January, they're tired, right? They're banged up. They've been doing this for three months straight. They have barely seen any of their friends' family. They just want a break. They only have one short week off during the season. If you're unfortunate enough to have an early buy, you haven't had a week off in two over two months. You're, you're doing the same things over and over again. You're putting your body through a ton of stuff. They're banged up, right? They're humans. These are human beings. They're not machines. So it is a real thing. And it's it's... In the year 2022, there's a lot of teams that employ psychologists and they have analytics and all sorts of numbers and equipment and technology to monitor how the players are doing physically. How's their heart responding to their workouts? Are they recovering the right way? Are they doing it from a training perspective? Are they eating the right things? I mean, there is so much information. And still, still a team on the cusp of winning a championship three years in a row, led by a head coach that's obviously competent right? That still can't get it done. So I get it. And I've never played NFL football. I've never gone through a season. So from that perspective, obviously, I don't, I haven't, haven't done that. But I've watched a lot of years of, of Packers football. Talked about it a lot. Over the last 10 years, I've been writing about it, podcasting about it. Talked a ton on the microphone to everybody else. 
I don't need to remind everybody how many great teams didn't achieve the pinnacle. And that's not just Packers teams. I mean, that, that's that's NFL teams in general. But there have unfortunately been, over the last 10 years, 11 years, since the last championship, there have been a, there have been a couple Packers teams that should have gotten back, at least been in the Super Bowl. And, but they didn't even get there. We know how hard it is to win a championship. But here we are. We're entering Matt LaFleur's fourth season as head coach. And it seems that his biggest challenge isn't the great game plan and having this or that player or that one guy or that one player. It remains keeping his team focused and on track at the end of the season. And that is that falls on the head coach. As good as he's been, as many games as he's won, as talented as his teams are, and as great as they've looked in, in some of their victories, that win over the Rams in, in 2020 was a great playoff victory at Lambeau Field. They played a great game, and they beat the Rams. That was an impressive win. They gutted it out against the Seahawks the year prior to get to the NFC Championship game. They played well in that game. They can do it, but they've got to they've be ready. You've got to have a, a pulse on what your team needs all throughout the season, and especially at the end of the season, in order to, to get over the hump and do what it is that you didn't do the years prior. So the question is, is why were they questioning themselves? Was it perhaps the veterans who've seen too many past teams implode and they're thinking, will we do this again? I don't know. Was it sour attitudes? I'm tired. I'm sick of this. I don't care. I'm burned out. We don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Was it the young guys not having enough experience, thinking too much that they just need to show up and win like they did during the regular season. Like, things aren't any different during the playoffs. I just show up, play my game. We'll win this game. We're going to be good. We always come out on top. AR throws a couple of dimes. We get some big production from the offense. As long as we just do our jobs, get a pick or two, play our brand of defense, for example, we'll be great, right? Was it the coaching staff thinking that they could just run their usual stuff, not be prepared for wrinkles from the other team, or installing any wrinkles? Try to grab and steal a few points. That can be the difference between winning a playoff game and losing a playoff game. In the Seattle game in 2014 that nobody wants to talk about, and I'm not going to talk about the end of the game, that fake punt stole them points. And that ended up becoming a factor. And and once again, it was a stupid play at the end of the first half in a conference championship game that the Packers fell victim to And the difference ended up being either that many points or less, right? Are they ready for stuff like that? As the dude in charge, Lafleur has to get it together. This is his fourth season. He should be able to set the table for his team to get over that mental hurdle. Now the players, they have to perform on the field. Other guys are paid to play too on the other side. Sometimes the other team just makes a few more plays, right? You just lose. It sucks, but that just, it's just what happens. But if I hear that once again this team was worn down and didn't go into the postseason fully confident, I don't care about all the win totals and great numbers Lafleur's teams have put up. I don't care about all the records that he's setting as a, as a new head coach. They're underachieving, and it's not a, it's not okay for me. It's not okay for me. You know that is absolutely a spoiled fan mentality, and I own it, and I'm wearing it right now, expecting that the Packers are just going to waltz into the playoffs. I do, because the NFC North is very winnable if they stay healthy being the Packers. And even even if even if the the all the other teams stay healthy too. The Packers are better than the Vikings and that's all they need to be better than because they're way better than the Bears and the Lions. Right? 
if ever since I played my, whatever the first game I played as a very young lad, okay, probably Tiddlywinks, whatever it was, okay, I can tell you right now, I wanted to and expected to win. I was an infant child and I was pissed off when I lost. I was not a good good loser when I was a kid, whether it was playing Uno or whatever other game you can imagine. Wasn't happy about it. And as you can see, this has carried on a little bit to my adult years. For some of you who have followed me for a long time and know how I like to tweet during game day, very emotional. Tone, toned it down quite a bit and I plan to be toned down again this season. I'm not going to go off the rails. But we hear about some teams you know, deal with internal turmoil. I mentioned that earlier. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Right, we don't really know. Sometimes we find out after the fact, but we have no idea what it is that's that is going on. It's a lot to manage. But for Lafleur, if it continues to be like this, you know, and they don't get there, then he just becomes the head coach that's able to get his team to the doorstep. But they can't cross the threshold. Like they can go to get to the party, they can't get inside. And that's not that's not what you want. This year's team is not perfect. They've got things to work on. They've got a lot of young players that they're counting on once again. And despite losing generational talent, Devontae Adams, they can still compete, though, at the highest level. And they know that they have limited time with Aaron Rodgers, at quarterback. They've got to pull out all the stops, empty the playbook, get it done straight up. It can't be what Robert Tunyon is talking about. And the fact that Tunyon spoke about it, and I don't know how Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst, Matt LaFleur, and the organization feels about him saying that out loud, but... You know, that's basically the equivalent to having a players-only meeting right now in the summer and just saying, hey, look, this is going to be a grind, but we can't let up. We Mentally and emotionally, we can't let up. You can play your best football and physically be ready. You've got to be mentally and emotionally ready. When you look at the Packers teams, when you watch the NFL films, and I know it's all edited and made, made to look great for Hollywood, but if you watch the story of Super Bowl champions, it's a lot of times what the guys are talking about are the mentality that they had, the way that certain moments polarized them and motivated them to keep going, motivated them to continue being hungry and getting after it the next game, wanting it more, still being driven to achieve everything that they could. You've got to find a way. You just do. You can't just show up and get there and and have this you know, very docile locker room before the game. And I'm not saying guys need to be banging their heads against the, the walls and stuff like that. But, you know, you can't just show up and have this white collar mentality and say, hey, uh, you know, we've got a bunch of talented uh, CPAs here. So we're going to be the best uh, accounting firm in the nation. Like this is professional sports. Like there's a physical aspect to it. There's a mental aspect to it. The Packers need to be prepared for it. Right. So. All right, transitioning to that and how they prepare, the Packers prepare for this season. Uh, as far as the team itself at camp, family night was this past weekend. Safety Darnell Savage tweaked a hamstring. It doesn't sound like it's going to be a long-term injury, fortunately. And hopefully that is that is the case because safety is extremely thin. I've talked about that before. Behind Savage and Adrian Amos are Vernon Scott, Sean Davis, Ennis Gaines, and Dalen Levitt, who they just brought in really more for special teams than anything. So... We don't know who's going to make the final roster. And if someone has to step in for Savage and play in a meaningful game, can they be effective? Well, I don't know the answer to that question. So health already a thing for the Packers this season. And we're seeing how how dangerous it can be if one of these starters goes down. Now, the, the Packers know that. And there's still time for them to add more talent to their roster. There's going to be a bunch of cuts coming up. And will they 
try to fortify some of those positions right now that are a little thin, like safety and edge rusher, for example. I hope so, right? It seems as though some of the rookies are still looking good. Of course, Romeo Dobbs, we hear about all the time, continues to make wild plays every day. He looked good in family night once again. A very polished uh, athlete. I mean, he looks like a really good find for the scouting staff, so cheers to the Packers for finding him. He's looking like a major steal in the fourth round of this past draft. Offensive lineman Zach Tom, he's been moving around, shuffling around the offensive line, playing various positions. Looks like he's doing okay. It sounds like he's performing better than, than, the, uh, than Sean Ryan, who was drafted higher than was Zach Tom. And, you know, Ryan has had some struggles. Although, remember, you know, we have to realize, too, that what we hear about out of training camp, really, um, from those who were at, at, at practice, is the are the ends of the spectrum because you're not going to talk about, oh, Zach Tom had a very average rep there and tweet that out. That's not what guys are going to tweet out. They're going to tweet out the very spectacular. They're going to tweet out the very bad, right? So Sean Ryan gets beat by Devontae Wyatt on, on, a, on a play where Jordan Love throws the bomb to Samari Touré. And all of a sudden it's this, this big deal. Oh, Sean Ryan is struggling. Well, I'm sure he's had some good reps too. And I'll bet you Dobbs has dropped, has had some drops. He's beating Stokes on a few routes, Dobbs is, and I'm sure, but I'm sure Stokes has also broken up some plays too. They're just not tweeting every single play that comes out. You know, Wyatt himself, a couple good reps at Family Night. Okay, that's great. This is all in a controlled environment, right? So grain of salt with all of it, but I don't mind hearing that these young guys are looking good because once again, the Packers are going to need production from their young guys. It sounds like Elton Jenkins. And David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins for sure. I think just it was just said that he's definitely going to miss a few games in the regular season. He's not going to start the season active. David Bakhtiari probably not either. He's behind Jenkins. It seems like in his progression to getting back on the field. I don't know that officially. That wasn't said, but they're both with the rehab group right now. So it seems like the young guys are going to be needed. These young offensive linemen. I hope that they're performing well. I hope Josh Nyman is ready to, to start and play. I hope that Royce Newman, whatever he ends up doing, whether he stays at right guard or kicks out to right tackle, I hope he can man it and hold it down until those guys come back. So, you know, I don't, you know, I, I don't mind hearing that, you guys, that, that the, the, their guys are looking good, but again, grain of salt, right? And as soon as I say that now, I kind of wanted to turn my attention to Jordan Love, who I am hearing is looking better and better. And Matt LaFleur was praising his progress and how he's put together some really good practices lately. And, you know, in year three, it's all kind of coming together. So he throw, he's throwing more crisp. Decision-making is better. He's making plays under pressure. Now, I mean, these players know they're not getting hit. The quarterbacks know they're not getting hit right now. So that touchdown pass to Toure, you know, he knows he's not going to get plowed into by Devontae Wyatt. In a live game, Devontae Wyatt probably gets there first, and I don't know if Love even gets the ball off, right? Which is fine. But, no, I don't have any idea. You know, does he make that play in a, in a preseason or regular season game? I don't know. My co-host on Packaday, Mark Eckel, recently wrote for Packer Report, and, he, and one of his bold predictions was that Jordan Love is going to end up playing a meaningful game this season. Whether Aaron Rodgers ends up being sick or hurt, Love is going to have to play. It's going to be up to him. And Mark expects Love to come through and play well and help the Packers get it done this year where they didn't last year, which really wasn't all on Jordan Love, by the way, in Kansas City. Well, it's year three, right? And Aaron Rodgers really shined in year three. That was the season that he came in during the Cowboys game after Brett Favre got hurt and Rodgers played his ass off. I mean, he nearly brought the Packers back for a huge road win against a Cowboys team that 
had only lost one game to that point. And that was his, this dude can play moment for Rodgers. So will Love get his this year in year three? I don't know. There's still, but there's still this faction of fans out there who hated the pick so much. Love, uh, Packers taking Love over a receiver that they won't give up on their disdain to the point where, I mean, they don't even want to hear about this, this positive stuff about Love in practice when he's performing well in camp. And sadly, if Rodgers doesn't play beyond this season and Love is the man next season, some of those same fans, I use my quote fingers here, they would rather see him and the Packers fail than accept him and hope that he can keep the train moving. I just don't, I don't, I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. Social media has, has become this thing where you really can't tell what some people really are. Some of them are true Packers fans and you know that and they just get ticked off sometimes and say stuff, if, you know, AKA myself here. Other times you've got people that legitimately get off on posing as a fan of another team and constantly saying negative things with the sole purpose of trolling. It's a Vikings fan or a Bears fan that has this, this burner account making them sound like a Packers fan that's just constantly trashing on the team. And so it's really hard to know where these fans are coming from. But either way, it's really annoying. It's really annoying because the Packers, the best case scenario is Jordan Love does take over after Aaron Rodgers is done playing. That he does become the heir apparent. That he can be an effective NFL quarterback. That they can keep the train moving with all of this young talent and this great defense that they've built up that have a lot of young players, an offensive line that could be coming together that's got some youth to it that could be together for a while and offer some really good protection. You've got A.J. Dillon, a lot of ascending young players that can keep this team competitive. Normally, when you transition into a new quarterback, a lot of teams have to take a few steps back. They miss a couple seasons. And if they'd had to do that last year or the year prior with Jordan Love, they absolutely would have taken a step back. They would not have been as good. But here in year three, now you put Love out there. You didn't have to rush him out there. And the Packers got a lot of flack for it. Oh, you drafted a quarterback. You didn't even play him. Well, the Packers don't really care what conventional wisdom says. They don't really care about having a quarterback that's on a cheap contract and and it being a financial thing. The Seahawks got lucky with Russell Wilson. They found lightning in a bottle. They drafted him in the third round. He became really good for them. They had a, a generationally good defense. And they won a Super Bowl. Because Russell Wilson was was okay enough to not be crap. He wasn't great. He was just okay enough to not be crap, and he was cheap. And the, and the Seahawks were able to pay players around him. And hey, congrats. They won a championship, and they went to a back-to-back Super Bowl. All right, great. This is how the Packers are doing it. And Jordan Love still deserves time and our patience and our hope that he's going to work out. So as far as yesterday's practice, because I, I obviously recorded uh, this before any of this week's practices started, uh, Sunday's practice was a walkthrough. It was easier. And I think maybe it's LaFleur. Maybe he's already pacing himself, like what I said earlier. Maybe he's realizing, hey, these guys need a bit more time. And so have a walkthrough every once in a while. And that's exactly what they did. They moved in inside the Don Hudson Center. The weather wasn't great. It was raining. And after family night, LaFleur said, okay, let's not go too crazy too early. So some good news. Kayshawn Nixon, the cornerback that came over from the Raiders, practiced for the first time on Sunday. Malik Taylor practiced for the first time uh, all training camp. He was in a red jersey. And we saw Christian Watson and Mason Crosby join the rehab group for the first time since camp opened. By the way, I saw Elton Jenkins running on the side in some video on there as well. Did not see Bakhtiari. But 
it's good. It's a good sign that some of these guys are getting on the field. It's a good sign that some of these rehab guys are getting closer to doing some things. And hopefully by the end of camp, Christian Watson's out there. Mason Crosby's out there and everybody is healthy and ready to go. So a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, but basically this, and I love talking about the mentality and the, and the, the mind work that goes into being an NFL team. And you're going to hear me tweet a lot about it during the season. And it's, it's, you know, old man river stuff or whatever you want to call it. But it, it really is, it really is truly important. I remember when I played in high school, the team that I, the school that I went to, the team that I am was on was not good. And they had not been good for a long time. And this, we had a new head coach that had just come in from Kansas State. And he completely changed the culture of the locker room and the mentality. And he spent as much time teaching us how to think and and prepare mentally as we, we did drills on the field. And it was the beginning of a change in the culture of football at my high school here in the Scottsdale, Arizona area here. And that team has been good ever since. They weren't good the last year that I played yet because the it takes time for that momentum to start. But two years later... They were hoisting a championship, a state championship. And that coach was Tim Beck, who spent time with, uh, with Urban Meyer at Ohio State, with the Texas Longhorns, and he's now at South Carolina. And uh, he was my high school football coach, and I had a chance to play with some, some really great athletes. I played with Mike Brown, who was a safety for the Bears for many years. And that's a proud story and one I'll never forget. And it's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about football and why I do this show now. And it's why when I saw Tunyon's comments, I thought this is right in my wheelhouse to talk about the mental aspect of it because that is something that, that literally takes an everyday habit. You can't just wake up and, 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 you know, you have to get your mind ready to be ready. You can wake up and run a 40-yard dash if you're talented enough. You can't necessarily wake up and be in the best mindset every single day. It takes dedication. It takes practice. So hopefully the Packers are ready for it. And after three seasons of falling short, Matt LaFleur is finally ready to say, you know what, not this year. So hopefully some more good things to come this week. I'm sure there'll be more camp updates. And as always, if there's any big news, we may have a second Quick Slant show later this week. If nothing else, I'll be back again next Monday to break down what happens this week and what happened in the first preseason game against the 49ers this upcoming Friday. So in the meantime, hope everyone's enjoying their summer. Stay cool wherever you're at. Drink plenty of water. Stay safe. And as always, go Pack Go. Off play action. Back to the throw. Prescott with time. Rifles it over the middle. Through the hands of Cooper. Intercepted. Jair Alexander to the 20. Cutting left. 25-30. He's got an escort to the 35-40. Hurdles a defender. Cross the 50. And 